0: Welcome to Southern Steep, the public health and social justice podcast brought to you by NASDAQ, a nonprofit, nonpartisan association missioned to end the intersecting epidemics of HIV, viral hepatitis and related conditions. Much like brewing stronger tea, this platform aims to brew a stronger community by centering community leaders voices and their innovative work in the southern United States.
1: Hello, 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 everyone. My name is Roderick Shepard. I am one of your co-hosts here at Southern Steep, and we have a fun and amazing episode ready for you all today. And for the first time uh, with a guest on the show, we have uh, Shanice, and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself. I'm just really excited to work with Shanice on the podcast. She's one of my faves here at (laughs) NASDAQ.
2: Right back at you. I'm also really excited to be joining the podcast and hosting with y'all today. Um, my name is Shanice Bailey and the newest co-host for Southern Steep. And I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm really excited to speak with y'all today so we can get things started.
1: So we have a very, very special, special guest. Uh, here with us today. Um, A.J. King um, is a brother of mine. He's one of the first advocates that I met in the field, and I have formed a very fond relationship with A.J. King. I love A.J. King. I'm going to start the episode off by saying that, Um, and then moving on to his bio. So, A.J. King lives in Washington, D.C., and has worked over a decade in managing and developing programs focusing on sexual health advocacy, HIV HIV STI and pregnancy prevention, treatment and education, clinical mental health, racial equity, LGBTQ plus and youth populations with a passion for LGBTQ youth of color. AJ has worked to fight stigma, disparities, and injustice within this population. He also contracts with George Washington School of Public Health as a clinical researcher, focusing on biomedical interventions and research for PrEP, hookworms, and COVID-19 vaccinations. Currently, AJ is the Assistant Director of the Multicultural Students Services Center at George Washington University, and will be transitioning in January 2024 to Director of Intercultural Affairs at Howard University. He is also the Director of Street Outreach at Saucer Brew's Youth Work. AJ has independent projects focusing on substance abuse, HIV, and mental health in the community. He served as vice president of Impulse Group DC, a global HIV advocacy organization for gay men funded by AIDS Healthcare Foundation, AHF. He is also the founder and director of the 2015 Obama White House award-winning theater program, Breaking Ground. Breaking Ground is a unique theater program for LGBTQ youth of color that develops a full-length musical theater production based on the true life stories of the cast members addressing the unique and complex experiences of this population. AJ graduated from the University of the District of Columbia with his master's in clinical, mental health, and rehabilitation counseling, and his bachelor's in social work. Shout out to the firebirds out there. Welcome,
0: AJ King. Yes, Firebirds. <laughs> Thank you for that, Roger and uh Pleasure to uh, be on this uh, call with you all um, and the um, amazing introductions uh, to both of you. So appreciate it
1: yes 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 of course aj thank you for being here i was so excited to highlight breaking ground on the show and let them know like what we got going on in dc in terms of being a part of the south um so i wanted to loop our guests in with the checking question this time around so what will what would the
0: world be without art Ooh, a dark place mm. very very dark place right i mean art is such a expressive outlet and it looks so many different ways, right? I mean, you know, typically when people hear the word art, they think of painting on a canvas, you know? And, you know, art is through music and theater and dance and poetry and, you know, dot, 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 dot. It just keeps going and going, right? And, And art is such a personalized experience and unique to everyone right so um i I mean it could be as simple as you know how someone dyes their hair or Mm -hmm. um the 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 way that they that the vernacular you know uh, that that's an art you know um, about how they speak so it would just be boring and dark and drab and terrible and not a world i would want to live in
2: yeah, I echo all of that. Um, I think it would just be worse. I think the world would be a worse place without art. Um, I think that our world just feels increasingly divided and art can transcend so many of those differences. You know, it gives us a common language of expression, a medium to share our feelings, our hopes, our frustrations that we can't always express, you know, in our day-to-day lives. And um you know, it just provides an outlet for our ideas, our politics, our visions for the future, and also just lets us create for the sake of creating. Um, before I worked at Nasdaq, I actually worked in the arts. I come from a, an art museum and gallery background, um, and I firmly believe that there's a place for everyone in the arts. Like I was a stage crew girly myself, so like not a performer, but I loved making those sets. Like I've watched, like you know, youth just come into themselves, you know, getting really excited about learning how to do lights, you know. Um, I think it's such a vital outlet for youth, especially, and I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing, AJ, and I'm excited to learn more about it. Thank you. Of course,
1: mm, that was good answer, y'all. Like, how do I even follow up with that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, AJ, I love that you mentioned that art looks very different in you know different forms. Um, even like you said, it's the fashion, it's how people style their clothes, it's um, TV and the production that goes in between making movies and shows and theatrical production, books are art, you know like art comes in many different forms. And I consider myself to be a jack-of-all-trades, and I'm going to master every single last one of those in terms of the arts. I've always been drawn to the arts as like a, a person I used to draw and, and to post a contest when I was in elementary school. Um, I've been a part of choirs and church and the Glee Club in school. Like I love the arts, so it's always been like a part of my foundation in terms of just who I am. I've always been a creative. So yeah, I, I wouldn't want to live in a world without the art. So let's get into it. And I'm gonna allow uh, Shanice to get better acquainted with um, AJ and, you know, pick his brain on a couple of things.
2: Amazing, thank you, Roderick. So, um, we're going to move into a section where we're talking a bit about art and advocacy. So, yeah. to start, AJ, what is your why? Can you like tell us about what drives you, what brings you to this work, what keeps you in this work? Wow,
0: yeah. So, when I was in elementary school, I had this love of horror movies. Like, I loved the Jason movies and Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger, and this is like six years old, right? And you know it. it Rightfully so, my parents were a little bit concerned because I would go to recess with like a little uh, clothes hanger acting like I was on. I know she did last summer chasing the kids around because I, <laughs> be I wanted to be the killer in horror movies when I grew up, you know what I'm saying? But I knew I wanted to get the arts and movies, you know, in that role. Um, and, you know, it was a uh, an, an opportunity for me to... Uh, view art, even if it was in the form of horror movies, right, Um, and find a way to incorporate myself into it. Um, You know, uh, as I mentioned before, my parents were a little bit concerned at the time, you know, what's that about? But, you know, uh, when I got into some theater classes in uh, middle school, uh, that's where I really got to expand my knowledge and depth around theater, around arts just in general. Uh, You know, I had a a very supportive uh, theater teacher, Um, you know, in in middle school. And I remember there was this improv team that only the eighth graders got into when I was in seventh grade. And I was the first seventh grader to get into the improv club. And that was a big deal for me, considering I went to a predominantly white middle school in, uh, you know, the middle of Fairfax, Virginia and Herndon. Uh, You know, there weren't that many uh, people of color, uh, you know, for, you know, this young, black boy to get into this uh, improv club was a, was a big deal and a big boost morale for me. Uh, that transitioned into high school. And uh, you know what I realized uh, going into the high school space is we would do these large scale productions like Oklahoma and Annie and all these other productions. Uh, but I wasn't getting cast in, in any of these roles because I didn't exactly fit the mold of you know any of these roles uh, still going to predominantly white high schools. So um, I actually had a boyfriend at the time, I was 15 years old, and he was in a theater program called City of Peace in Washington, D.C., and it was a theater program that utilized social justice as a vehicle for social change through uh, theater. So uh, we would talk conversations around um, internalized and and interpersonal institutionalized racism and sexism and classism um, and pretty much all the isms and how it impacts uh, teenagers. And we were able to uh, utilize uh, our experiences uh, to create art and theater, uh, you know, to express and tell these stories. Uh, It was an opportunity for me to not only, you know, uh, learn more uh, from, uh, you know, People have different backgrounds and experiences through a social justice lens, but about myself as well, too. You know, as someone who was gay and half black, half Mexican, adopted, growing up in a white household in Virginia, I honestly felt like I was an alien. I was like, who am I? There's no one that looks like me. There's no one who loves me like me. There's no one who walks like me. I'm kind of just out here, right, trying to figure things out. And it helped me identify where I found some interpersonal uh, challenges, uh, you know, around race, around gender, sexuality, etc., um, and also how I may interact with other populations, right? Um, so that was a very impactful uh, time in my life uh, where I got to learn a lot about myself and through healing and change um, and also open my eyes to the world of uh, what counseling would look like for me. So I knew at a very young age that's, that's kind of a route that I wanted to go as far as social justice and advocacy. Fast forward, um, you know, I was in a uh, Fellowship called CRIB, uh, which stood for creating responsible intelligent Black Brothers through the NASEM Conference, which is an annual HIV prevention conference in Atlanta. And I was 24 years old at the time, and I was tasked with a uh, project of developing a program specifically only for Black gay men, uh, you know, around social justice, right? And that's all the pretty much the only parameters that we got. Um, you know, I sat and I reflected on it, you know, what can this project look like? And I thought about the impact that the City of Peace program had when I was a teenager, right? Um, So I sat down, I actually met with the two directors of City of Peace. I told them about the project. They gave me some tips and tools. And then I was able to create my own curriculum that's specifically focused around Black gay men. So uh, I developed this program, this curriculum. It was a complete... Pet projects. I did not know what I was doing. You know, it was completely volunteer based. We had zero funding, zero money. Uh, Luckily, Denim, which is the center of us helping us, uh, allowed us to utilize our space for uh, rehearsals, uh, you know. But when I say we had no money, we had no money. This is completely pro bono. We Luckily, there was another um, individual who was involved at Denim who uh, had a background in music. And they agreed to come on as the assistant director and musical director. Uh, you know, we, uh, we were able to reach out to someone who volunteered to be a choreographer and a stage manager at the time. It was completely just grassroots it's volunteer work, 100%. Um, you know, we did all of our recruitment at Denim, you know, all the people involved were, you know, agreed to be in this cast. It was honestly just, you know, the cosmos working and getting the right people in the right place at that time, right? Um, again, did not know what I was doing. This was my first time with this curriculum. I did not know if it would work. I did not know who would show up. I did not have a theater in place. I didn't have anything in place. And so we it, it, we we just made it happen, right? We we well, worked out this curriculum and Roderick was actually in that cast. It was the very first Breaking Ground cast ever. It was actually called Brother to Brother at the time. And, uh, you know, what I realized it, as we went through this summer program is that at every rehearsal, you know, I was seeing change in individuals, right? I was seeing change and transformation. You know, when we would have certain conversations or do certain activities, it would hit in a certain way, right? Um, Sometimes I didn't know what that hit looked like. I didn't know if that hit was a good hit or a bad hit. Was this more traumatizing? Was this going to do more long-term damage? Was this going to make change at the end? I did not know. And I'll be honest, I was nervous as hell, right? Uh, but, you know, the cast kept coming back. Every rehearsal, they kept coming back. Um, I saw family developing. I saw relationships uh, building. I saw connections forming. Just everything was kind of coming into place. Um then we had our performance. You know, we uh were at the Anacostia Arts Center. Luckily, you know, I met the with an individual who worked there. They uh, donated this space for us. We had a GoFundMe where you know we were able to raise like I think it was like 1200 dollars or something like that, uh, so that we could get all the logistics. Did this performance, it was a fantastic performance. Um, you know, the cast did an amazing job. And so we were working again, not knowing what we were doing, right? Um, this was all by a whim. And I just remember the cast coming off the stage in this black box theater and it almost felt like this collective joy mixed with this collective breath of release, right? It was like, we did this, right? We, we, we went through this. We went through these, these months of arduous, challenging conversations and, and unpacking childhood trauma and having hard conversations with one another and having wanting to fight the person sitting on the other side of the circle, right? But finding conflict resolution and, you know, also this kind of sense of, you know, yes, we're we're walking away from this program right now, but I also know that I'm going to walk away with tools that I can utilize in my real life outside of, of this rehearsal space. And so that was it, right? That was really just it. And and I was like, okay, the the project is over. I developed my my, you know, my project for my presentation at the conference. And I was like, okay, well, that was cute. That was fun hands washed, done, right? And then uh, God had other plans, obviously. Uh, the following year, um, you know, I just kept getting calls and texts of when's when's rehearsal, I'm sorry, when's auditions, you know, taking place. And, you know, what are the dates? And I'm sitting here like, what are you talking about? That was a one-time situation. Like, this is not, you know, something that's supposed to be, be ongoing. But, you know, that year went on, the year 2015 went on and we didn't do... Uh, the program. But then at the end of 2015, I still to this day don't know who, but I we got nominated by the White House for LGBTQ Champions of Change. And for the one year we did it, and I was like, okay, this is like actually something that like is a need. Right. Like this is something that needs to continue. Um, so we went to the drawing board, and I was able to meet with Smile, which is a nonprofit organization in Washington D.C. that focuses on LGBTQIA youth, uh, and uh, they uh, saw the the first performance, and they agreed to. Uh, be a fiscal sponsor of the program. I would still have complete creative control over the program. It would not be a smile program in that sense, but they would be able to deal with all the finances and looking for grants and supporting the program as much as possible. Uh, you know, I met with the the first year cast. We changed the name uh, to Breaking Ground. We wanted it to be more inclusive to the entire LGBTQIA plus spectrum of color. Um, and from there, it was just off of the races. We got grant funding from a lot of different um, you know, resources, organizations, uh, you know, local and national grants. Uh, and we, it, you know, we just kept it going and, and the cast continued to grow. I believe our first year, our cast was maybe 12 people. Um, you know, at one point, our cast was 34 people, you know, so it just continued to grow over the years. That was a very, very long winded way to answer your question, but that is why I continue it is because. You know, this progression of change and just seeing the impact that it's had on the community um, and the impact on the individuals who are engaged in the program and the impact on myself. Uh, you know, this is this is just something that, that's a need in the community because a lot of, particularly um, LGBTQIA young people of color, don't have a space uh, to express themselves um, and really, you know, show their art and tell their stories. Uh, you know, that trauma just stays back here and then we don't do anything with it because we don't know what to do with it. Well, here's a way to do something with it. And the last thing I'll say on that is, you know, one thing I will say is there are people who have came through that program who should be on stages with sold out audiences with the way that they can sing. But they've never had an outlet to show it. Right, and so this has been an opportunity for the first time for some people to be on stage and finally share their voice, or share share their acting talent, or show, share their dancing talent, or their poetry talent, or whatever the talent may be, their violin talent, their you know whatever, right? Um, and they they don't have any other outlet or opportunity to do that. Um, so that is why I continue to do it. That is why it's important. Um, and yeah, that's it. Sorry, I, I, I that was a very long winded answer. <laughs>
2: It was not long-winded. It was deeply necessary. And I love being able to hear like your full trajectory. Like you're so good at like telling your story and, you know, you just breeze through all the other questions I had for you, which I adore, (laughs) but I think it's, you know, the way that you described your trajectory with this program is just such a testament to the power of community and what happens when you can just surrender yourself to possibility and, you know, commit to the journey wherever it takes you. And I know that sounds a little bit woo-woo, but I don't. It's not actually, but you you said it all. Um, But I also just wanted to say, like, I have that image of you chasing kids on the playground with a um hanger, like (laughs) burned into my brain now. And like, I love the sort of like um queer child who confuses their parents to um art worker pipeline Mm -hmm. because I relate deeply.
0: Yeah, there were a lot um, of detentions after that, but, you know, it, I think it was worth it that I got to express myself, you know. You did that,
2: what you had to do. You know, there, yes.
1: <laughs> so, AJ, one, we have to go on a movie date because I love horror films. Love, 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 love horror films. Um, so we had to go on a movie date, one. Um, and there was a couple of points you mentioned. Um, first of all, the, the teacher... Uh, that gave you an outlet and embraced you and allow you to be a part of the improv. Um, group is it's so important. I found like growing up as an artist, like I found like you know wanting to be an artist wasn't embraced in the same way that it would have been if I decided to play football or um, if I tried to do, to do something else. Like you know most parents will think to enroll their kids into like football camp or basketball camp, but you know people don't think about you know children who demonstrate interest in art. And mind you, I've always been you know drawing some coloring books and drawing and all of that. So you know you know parents don't often thing to enroll a child into artist camp so those mentors are very important i think about uh, my my first mentor uh uh Mr. Rice. Oh, Mr. Rice was such a a blessing to me as a child. So um, those are so, so, so important. Um, And then talking about the Breaking Ground experience, um, I feel like at the end of a show, (laughs) you always kind of have like an exhale, Like you said, AJ, like, we did it, Joe. We did it. (laughs) It gives very much so that you get that exhale, And I look forward to kind of like that. Okay, we did it at the end of a show, like at at the end of every show. I look forward to it. Um, And so I'm going to go into our next section. And because I am a Breaking Ground alumna, I actually can't highlight some of the work that we have done because it actually segues into my next question. So I'm going to highlight a little excerpt from some stuff I did with um, AJ and Breaking Ground back in the day. Um, So here it is. My brush is painting a portrait that tells you that afterwards I conquered and beat HIV. You see, I'm undetectable, and my T-cells are flying high. I have a fabulous job as a HIV advocate, which includes traveling the world and speaking engagements. I can't forget about attending the most fabulous events, galas, happy hours, and of course cool Sunday brunch. Though... The real masterpiece uses dark and mysterious colors that represent the guilt and the shame that, and the pain that my heart felt. I knew better. But if I knew better, why didn't I do better? I mean, I do have the right to explore my se- sexual liberation. Why didn't I do that responsibly? Enough of that. Let's talk about the beauties of art. I can paint whatever picture I want you to see outside looking in, you think this masterpiece is complete a true masterpiece is always evolving and changing so that was an excerpt from a piece that I did I believe that was the mirror mirror on a wall show that we did at Gallaudet that University uh we did do multiple shows of that one as well sold out shows at that one as well woof <laughs> um, Spurwax, like, <laughs> listen, AJ, I've been trying to get you to do, like, a reunion show and do, redo some of the scenes from all of the years because now Breaking Ground has, like, a body of work. We really do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so in that particular... In that particular year, I played a HIV positive advocate um, who was navigating being an advocate in sexual health and prevention and, you know, Ryan White and all of that stuff doing the speaking engagements and then also navigating managing their diagnosis, managing the trauma that comes along with getting a chronic um illness diagnosis. So um, that was the character I played. And for when the advocates saw me in the community, they were like, oh my God, like, girl, you you in my living room or something? Like, you telling my life story? Like, they really connected well with that piece. Um, and a part of that storyline, the character was like having a scene burnt out. <laughs> like, burnt out. And so we want to talk a little bit about that on this section. So, AJ, like w- with the work that you do, and, you know, again, highlighting, the, connecting the piece that we did about, you know, the HIV advocate, like, how do you prioritize self care and Burnout prevention. Um, and you know, I would imagine AJ, you are an expert because you have juggled many things. And it was like times I was concerned, like you had so much going on, but now I feel like I am you <laughs> in school, in work, trying to live my best collegiate life. Like I yes. identify so much more with you now that I'm also doing the social work program at UDC. Mm-hmm. But thanks to the question, like, how do you prevent uh, how do you prioritize self-care and then prevent burnout.
0: Oh, wow, question of my life, right? So, one thing I will say is Roderick um has been someone through the years who has always taken me aside, <laughs> you know, when I see him on the streets or even at rehearsal, just like, AJ, have you slept? AJ, are you taking care of yourself? <laughs> Which I always really appreciated because You know, he 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 knew that yes, I was doing the most. So just to give a little context, um, in my twenties when I had you know the energy, um, I was doing way too much. My mindset at the time was my twenties are about hustling, so my thirties are about building, so my forties I can just relax, right? I was looking at the long term game. So there was a point where for you know for for a few years I had two full time jobs, two part time jobs, a contracting job. I was running Impulse Group DC. I was in full-time school and internship for school and um, breaking ground all this exact same time while trying to still maintain a social life and family and all of these other pieces as well too. I look and everyone used to ask me, AJ, well, how are you doing this? Why well, are you breathing? And I would just, I just don't know. I just would go. I don't know if it was the energy I had at the time. It was, it, it, I think I just had certain goals. Right. And people would say, you're going to burn out. You need to relax. You need to self care. I was like, I am self care. I'm doing brunch with my friends on Sunday. I'm good. You know, but though that's not exactly what the self-care was, right? Um, so it's interesting what my journey of uh, burnout and self-care awareness, um, how that came to fruition, right? So it was actually COVID. So uh, right before COVID, um, I was in that space where I was in my last year of grad school. I was in a... T- it was a full-time grad school. I was in an internship for 20 hours a week doing therapy. Um, at that time, two full-time jobs, Impulse and Breaking Ground was happening at the same time. And then COVID hit, right? Everything shut down. Everything stopped, right? And um, I had lost one of my jobs due to COVID, one of my full-time jobs. Uh, two of my contracts ran out. I stepped down from Impulse. Breaking Ground was only in the summertime. This was not during the summer. So I was sitting there like what the hell am I supposed to be doing right now? Like what am I supposed to be doing, right? I was literally sitting in my house with high anxiety because I was not doing something. So I was always on 10, 24 hours a day for over 10 years. There was not a moment that I was not on 10, right? And so it was a lot. It was heavy. It was challenging. I found myself like trying to do things, but the world was saying I couldn't, right? Um, I was, I I didn't have a job at the time. I was done with school. I just graduated school. So I was done with that. The internship ended, you know, everything was just came to a halt and I was in a, I was, it was was honestly a pretty dark place for me because I just did not know what to do. I felt, um, useless. I, I did not know how tired I was, a buildup of 10 years. I didn't know how much it was impacting me. And so uh, January of 2021 came around, and um, I, at the exact same time while I was applying for jobs, um, the exact same week, I was offered three full-time jobs, and I accepted them all, because <laughs> I was so in that space that I need to get back to my regular self. So I accepted three full-time jobs. Within the same month, I bought a puppy, and I moved <laughs> to a new apartment, because that's what I know. That's what's comfortable for me, Right. Nope. After a year of me being, you know, in a place where I just had to sit down, I no longer had that energy. I no longer had that that drive. So for me to take on all these things at the exact same time was a huge wake up call for me. And, and I said, "Say, AJ, get it together." My anxiety of taking on all these things at the exact same time was on a thousand. It was worse than when I was doing nothing, right? And I felt like I wasn't being productive or effective in anything I was doing. Because, mind you. While I'm moving and have a new puppy and working three jobs and doing all this literally overnight, I'm still dealing with a pandemic and what that looks like. I'm still, we're still dealing with 2020 and the election and, you know, George Floyd and like all these other pieces, right? Um, so I got to a place and it took me about a year to get there where I just had to prioritize and be realistic. And I had to say, let these things go. Just let, let, let things go. Find a place that just works for you. Right. So, uh, you know, I moved, that was over and done with, you know, um, my dog, you know, first few months are hard, but after that, you know, she's cool, chill, whatever. I let go of a contract. I let go of one of the full-time jobs. I just came to a place of peace. I was able to find a way to have the two full-time jobs at work where it's just a Monday through Friday on a nine to five for both of them and made it work and managed it. And now that's all I'm doing. It's literally like Monday through Friday at work, nine to five, breaking grounds in the summertime. And that's all I do. And it's literally this just place of just where I can rest. And just breathe and just be and and reconnect with family and friends that I've neglected over the past 10 years in my 20s, where I missed birthday parties and weddings and funerals and all these major life uh, uh, milestones because I had to work, because I had class, because I had an impulse event or dot, 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 dot. And so, you know, I'm, I'm you know, reclaiming my time, I guess I could say, you know, of uh, being able to. Uh, just find what peace looks like for me. So to answer your question, it wasn't so much of a intentional process for me as much. It was more so of a, the world said, get sit down, AJ. And then I just had to make a choice to listen to that and readjust and figure out how I'm going to make it work, right? Um, And to be honest, when I do have that free time now, I'm at home with my dog chilling. I don't want to socialize necessarily. To go out to ha- all the happy hours and be at all the social events. I don't need to. Like I'm okay with just being and resting and enjoying time with my dog and catching up on my housewives and relaxing, right? Um and I honestly have never felt better.
1: And so first all that it brings me so much joy to hear. <laughs> to sure <laughs> prioritizing A.J. King and prioritizing what does self-care look like for you because you know, listening to you talk, I, I feel like I can definitely relate to you. I think, you know, while I'm happy, like your your world around you told you to sit down, <laughs> but the the broader scope is, you know, in society, a lot of times we're also pushed to work all the time. It's all about work, 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 work. Um, you know, so you can enjoy retirement, you know, at a certain point in your life. But you need to like have some balance. That work life balance is important. That you know, the the importance of the breath. The importance of just being, the importance of connecting with your peers and having this that, that social space and those recreational activities, like all of that, is vital part of your experience in life. We're not here just to work, 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 work. Like, mm-mm. Um, and I also love that you mentioned it. Sometimes we need to let things go. Like, you know, sometimes I actually say, like, okay, I release whatever I'm holding on that I was not supposed to keep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not meant for me to hold, it's not meant for me to keep. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I have to say that out loud. Like <laughs> um, and so thank you, thank you so much for that, King. Um I and so want
0: to say that you know, a big part of that, that process was therapy too. My therapist kept busting up in me. AJ, why do you need to do this? Why do you have to be part of this X, Y, and Z? How, how is this thing benefiting you? What is this gonna get you in the long term? And I'm t- I was pushing back for a long time. I was like, because I need to, because I have to, because da 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 Therapy got me together. I had a good one. He was a good one. So, yeah, I do advocate. Mm-hmm. I
2: feel you. It's hard to resist that voice where it's like, they need me. They need me. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? Yep. Also, selfishly, I have a small side. I would love to hear more about your dog. I have a little lady dog, too, and I love her so much.
0: <laughs> That's my baby. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. Yes, and I have met Shanice dog. She is adorable. <laughs> um, all right, AJ. So let me ask you, what advice would you give to someone looking to incorporate art and storytelling into advocacy?
0: I think that you, an individual's got to start from the place of identifying what they want their message and their advocacy to be, right? So whatever the advocacy looks like, whether it's for homeless populations, individuals living with HIV, uh, victims of domestic violence, whatever the advocacy piece is that you're looking at, you wanna, do you want things on a more macro level where, you know, we're talking about this community just in general? Or are we talking about a very specific community or nuance within the community? Um, so once you kind of identify that that little bullseye of what you want to focus on, from there, my advice is to be free. Because if we're talking about art, art can look so many different ways, right? Art can look like, you know, if you want it to be a fashion show, if you want it to be a theater production, if you want it to be an open mic, cool. Let people decide what that art looks like for them, as long as you kind of have that piece around that bullet point of what you want it to look like. Um, You know, when I was with Impulse Group DC, we had a... Uh, there were four pillars that we focused on, mental health, racial equity, HIV, and substance use. And, you know, we were very intentional with every event to make sure that it was new and innovative in a way that things had never been done or seen before. So we did, you know, like around crystal meth, um, you know, addiction within our community, we were able to find um, a director who created a whole documentary uh, around uh, the crystal meth crystal meth epidemic in uh, black A communities and just rented out a whole theater and just showed the movie. And, you know, it was free tickets and free popcorn. And, you know, there was a talk back afterwards and it was a way to have entertainment and art as a vehicle to address crystal meth addiction. Uh, we Then we did a boat cruise, you know, that was focused on sexual health, you know, and HIV and, and testing and PrEP. And, you know, there's like, you know, different ways to uh, make advocacy fun. I mean, I think, you know, when people think of advocacy, they think of, you know, just sitting in a support group or looking at data and statistics. But there's ways to make it fun. There's ways to make it innovative. There's ways to, you know, get people involved and wanting to, you know, feel like they're seen within that and utilize their talents to push that advocacy message as well, too. So be free. Find out what you want your focal point is and be free around that.
1: I love, love, love all of that.
0: And I totally agree, AJ. It's definitely
1: important to discuss like what is the mission, what is the vision, what is the purpose. And then you can kind of base your activities based upon that. And then I love that you mentioned making advocacy fun. Cause sometimes it's not fun. <laughs> it's it's really not. So, you know, as of lately, I have been so intentional about celebrating joys and victories and you know different things like that. So I would definitely agree. Like, you know, make advocacy fun. And then, you know, in terms of what you do for your advocacy, do what you enjoy. I've been intentional about, you know, exploring what does advocacy look like and doing things that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to pass it over to Shanice for our closing questions.
2: It's very bittersweet because I've really enjoyed this time with you, AJ. Like, I'm like, I want to be your friend. So for our first closing question, what do you love about the south?
0: Oh wow. Okay. So you know so it's interesting cuz every time that people say DC is the south I'm like, "Are we though?" But you know, we are, right? So um you know, I think that it's the south is so diverse in culture and so diverse in um you know food and and uh you know uh the way people the dialects and traditions and you know I here in DC you know what I love about DC specifically is that we have this is such a transient city but we have such progressive values morals we have a lot of opportunity uh to um you know get access to resources government resources and, and advocacy and like just all, just everything right um that's very specific to this little bubble of DC right that most of the country does not have the same privileges when we look at the South uh like where my family's from so all my family's in Florida uh which you know there's a lot of uh stuff around Florida that that we hear about um in the news I think that there's just this sense of camaraderie and family values and uh, connection and protection for loved ones that's in the South that I see, right? DC, we're a little bit more North, so we're a little bit more disconnected, kind of every man for himself, Um I see in the South. I see, you know, with my family in, in you know Texas and Georgia as well too. Like it's very much about this is my family. We we eat together. We roll together. We protect each other. We're very welcoming to the neighbor. We want to be that individual that has a southern hospitality. And most importantly, child, they can cook down there. That food in the South, whew, it's the good stuff. From someone who can't cook, Roger will tell you, I'm a, I I I I specialize in Cheerios. That is my, you know, number one menu item. Um, Going down to the South, I always eat good. So uh, especially, and that's not only just home cooked meals, got to have a Waffle House. So, um, (laughs) you know, I think that just the South, I think culturally um, is, I've always been very attracted to it. You know, even personally, I've always dated every, if you look at my dating history, every man I've dated has been from the South and typically like country South, like country, country South. So, um, yeah, I just love it. I love, I love the South.
2: And I love that. Um, I really, I don't cook either. I'm a microwave chef, microwave and air fryer. Um, you touched on this a little bit already, but um, I would love to hear more about what you want to see for your, for the South. So um, what do you want to see for the South? Like your vision, your hopes? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's loaded. Yeah. Um, so I, what, what I named earlier, you know, is D.C., we're in this bit of a bubble, this progressive bubble, right? And we see this influx of individuals who live in the South moving to D.C., trying to attain D.C. resources, rightfully so. Um, and I just, I just want better policies, better advocacy, more support for marginalized populations in the South you know, for people of color, for women, for LGBTQIA populations, for undocumented individuals, the list goes on and on and on. I think that, you know, it's all rooted in our historical relationship with the South, and we are are not breaking from that for whatever reason. Uh, You know, if if you want some sense of support and you're from a more uh, marginalized populations, you're forced to go to a major city. You have to go to Atlanta. You have to go to Houston. You have to go to Miami, right? Um, but what about those individuals who don't have the privilege or the resources to go to a major city, right? Or or just don't want to because their family and their loved ones are in this small town in Alabama. Why well, I have to leave them just so that I can be seen. So I stay with my family, who I love, who when this community hates me because I'm a gay man, or move away from my loved ones just so and be feeling be seen and respected. We shouldn't have to make that choice. We shouldn't have to make that choice. So I just want better legislation, protections, and support for marginalized populations in the South, just in general.
2: Thank you, AJ. Um, and for our next question, um, how can people get in touch with you and your programs?
0: Mm, great. So um, the best way to contact me is through email. Um, it's alexanderking31489 at gmail.com. I can put that in the chat as well, too. Um, and you know, if you are a young person living in the DC metropolitan area up to the age of 30 and you're LGBTQIA of color and you want to join the Breaking Ground cast, um, our 2024 year will do auditions in May. Uh, so feel free to reach out. If you are someone who wants to donate to the program or support it in any type of capacity, please reach out. Uh, we're actually going to be in our 10th year anniversary next year. Uh, we have uh, big goals, so we're trying to make happen. Ideally, we are going to be at the Kennedy Center next year. It's not set in stone, but we got to have those resources for that. Uh, so if you want to donate uh, or support in any capacity to make this happen, to really support, um, you know, this 10-year anniversary, that we. Would be amazing. Um, or if you just have questions, feel free to reach out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always available to, to chat and talk about uh, not only the program, but uh, hear about the work that uh, that they're doing as well too, and see if there's possible for collaboration.
2: Beautiful. Thank you so much. And I have one more question. Circling back to your expertise and your passions, is there any art that you're excited about right now? Is there anything that you're working on that you'd like to talk about?
0: The production that we had this year um, for Breaking Ground, we had in September, um, was really proud of the work that the cast did. Um, that was, you know, it was very powerful stories that they told and, and very impactful as well to uh very brave, um, uh, very brave individuals, you know, from talking about literal debilitating chronic medical conditions that they decided to put on stage to, you know, uh you know, challenges around intimacy and relationships due to sexual abuse as childhood, like anything that, you know, people don't like to talk about or expose, they put it in front of, you know, 250 people on stage.
2: Thank you so much. I'm going to pass things back over to Roderick.
0: Thank you.
1: Uh, AJ. Oh, this is such an honor and pleasure to being associated with you uh, shout out to uh breaking ground alumni also i do know that the content is available
0: on youtube yeah i can shoot you the youtube uh, channel it has all of the shows up through last year's show
1: okay okay perfect perfect
0: well again thank you so much for joining us, aj king we thank you all so much i really appreciated this
2: been an absolute joy to spend this time with you
1: everyone so now i'm gonna go into the segment of our show called southern charm so i wanted to highlight um Breaking Ground's physical sponsor, SMILE. So SMILE stands for supporting and mentoring youth advocates and leaders. SMILE supports and empowers lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning LGBTQ youth in Washington, D.C. metropolitan region. Through youth leadership, SMILE creates opportunities for LGBTQ youth to build self-confidence, to develop critical life skills and engage their peers and community through service and advocacy. Committed to social change, SMILE builds, sustains, and advocates for programs, policies, and services that LGBTQ youth need as they grow into adulthood. SMILE offers a variety of services for LGBTQ youth, like housing, mental health, sexual health, scholarships, and more. Um, so shout out to Breaking Ground. Shout out to Smile for all the amazing work that they're doing with the youth um, in D.C., um, like uh, the famous Whitney Houston, love uh, beloved Whitney Houston. Um, I do believe that the children are, are our future. So, um, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and close it on out. Um, so, again, thank you to AJ King for joining us. It's been an amazing Um, Guest on the show. Shanice, this was wonderful to do this with you. Like, I was really excited to co-host the show with you. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off. So uh, my name is Roderick Shepard.
2: And I'm Shanice Bailey.
1: And thank you for listening to Southern Steve.
2: We'll see y'all next time.